Meta has spent upwards of $50 billion developing the metaverse. But will it pay off? Go inside the company in a new three-part series, From Facebook to Meta, Zuckerberg's Big Bet, in the Tech News Briefing feed from The Wall Street Journal. The buzziest social media app right now is this short-form video app, TikTok. Uh, my favorite TikTok video, um, I'm almost embarrassed to say, because— Now I'm, now I'm excited to hear. <laughs> uh, it's not that exciting, actually. Um, I'm embarrassed to say because there actually is a wealth of incredibly creative content on here that it sometimes reminds me of, like, the silent film era, like mm-hmm. Buster Keaton, you know, Chaplin, things where you don't need any context. You can just watch it, and it's it's visually brilliant. But unfortunately, I can't cite one of those as my favorites because what I'm drawn to is just the stupid and silly. <laughs> Patrick Barta is an investigations editor based in Asia, and lately he's been watching a lot of TikTok videos. There's one that I noticed one time that is a, it's like a yellow or orange hand puppet in the shape of a chicken nugget. And I can't remember the exact words, but it's like a hip hop song. The hand puppet is dancing around singing like, I love chicken nuggets and I eat them every day. And I don't particularly like chicken nuggets, but I just remember watching that video and thinking like, what is that? Like, yeah, it doesn't right. make any sense whatsoever, you know? And uh-huh. and that, to me, was sort of the capture the essence of TikTok. It's got a jazzy beat, you know, or fun beat, and it's goofy and strange. And I was like, well, I wonder what else is there. Yeah, m- my favorite one that I saw recently was this guy dressed in a very realistic Velociraptor costume, and he turns the corner and just scares the living daylights out of every person that comes around. He did it like, you know, five or six times, all these different people. People are just falling over. They're spilling their coffee all over themselves. And it's like done in slow motion with this dramatic music. It's just, (laughs) it's hilarious. From chicken nugget loving hand puppets to dinosaur pranks to choreographed dance routines, the addictive videos on TikTok have made the app one of the fastest growing in the United States. But now this popular app is facing intense scrutiny from Washington. Because unlike other popular social media apps like Instagram and Twitter, TikTok was not born in Silicon Valley. It's from China, which makes TikTok the first Chinese app to make it big here in the U.S. And it's TikTok's Chinese origins that have raised questions about privacy, censorship, and the future of the internet. Today on the show... The story of TikTok, how the Chinese social media app became an American phenom, and why the American government is now investigating it. Welcome to The Journal, our show about money, business, and power. I'm Kate Leinbaugh. And I'm Ryan Knudsen. It's Monday, December 2nd. In the past decade, Chinese tech companies have been on the rise globally, but until recently, most still trailed American companies. American tech companies are still, you know, seen as the standard globally. I mean, you've got, you know, all the big names, Amazon, Facebook, Google, Microsoft, Twitter, Apple. In the case of China, there is a great aspiration to achieve that kind of success. There's a great deal of pride in China's uh, biggest tech companies. But they have all thrived and succeeded in an environment that has not had the same level of competition as the United States because a lot of those American companies have been kept out of China. But at the end of the day, they want to be global. They want to succeed outside of China to show that they can innovate, that they can capture the the public's imagination. And also, they do need to find new avenues of growth because China, as big as it is, it's not a bottomless consumer market. 
for them, the United States is the the kind of the holy grail, is the giant consumer market where the biggest of the big tech companies play. There's one Chinese company that's really broken out in America, the company behind TikTok called ByteDance. And tell me about ByteDance. What's its story? Well, the company was founded in 2012 by a Chinese engineer, and he at the time felt like there was a need or at least a market for more entertainment. There was this famous quote where he said, most people need to revolve around something, and it doesn't matter if it's religion, novels, love, whatever. They just need something to capture their imagination. And he felt that people didn't want to choose, that they were, for lack of a better word, lazy, and that they wanted someone else to feed them things that were entertaining rather than having to pick out stuff from this gigantic universe of entertainment options. Seems like almost in some ways a pessimistic view of human nature. There are people who don't like ByteDance and TikTok for that very reason. They talk about it being like fluff or candy. But I think what they would say is that they're doing something very similar to what YouTube does. It bases their recommendations to you on your interests. ByteDance is essentially a parent company. Over the years, ByteDance has owned a bunch of different apps. A news app, a humor app, a video app. And across many of them, sophisticated algorithms give users content that they want to see. And those algorithms were fine-tuned over time based on the data of millions of Chinese users. But while ByteDance apps were popular in China, for a long time they were pretty much unheard of in the U.S. Then, in 2017, ByteDance decided to expand its footprint and started looking for opportunities in the U.S., And rather than launch a brand new app here, ByteDance decided to spend as much as a billion dollars to buy an app that already had a lot of users. It was called Musical.ly. It was like a lip-syncing app where you could sing along to a song and then it would create a music video sort of out of you and your friends. Yeah, and you can share those those videos and you could feel like you're, you know, expressing your creativity to music. But it was something that was really starting to take off in the United States. I mean, I think it was like tens of millions of users, particularly very young consumers. Yeah, which you can sort of understand why, because pretty much every teenager imagines themselves inside of a music video, and this app basically allowed them to do just that. By purchasing Musical.ly, the company essentially bought millions of American users. And once it had those users, in 2018, ByteDance decided to drive them to a different app it had up and running, TikTok. And then TikTok took off. The growth of their audience was stunning. Uh, You know, Musical.ly was popular, but it wasn't like a breakout hit name. And Mm -hmm. literally within a matter of months, they went north of 100 million people that would download the app. Now, I haven't seen the latest numbers, but I think they're north of 120 million users in the United States, you know, I've, I've seen numbers that suggest that they had the fastest climb to a billion users globally of any social media company ever. Wow. Um, you know, they're massive in India. They're massive in Japan. They're spreading like wildfire across Southeast Asia. What is it about this app that made it so popular so fast? When TikTok really started to take off, you saw a lot of media coverage trying to understand why they were so exciting to people. And One of the things that people focused on was this idea that they were bringing the fun back into the internet or the Mm -hmm. the fun back into social media. Why don't you open it up? Yeah, okay. So when you open the app, you know, it's pretty user-friendly and you start to immediately see interesting videos. Right, I'm just opening the app right now and the videos... So we saw a video that said the women can do this because they have lower gravity and the men can't. 
Okay, I don't know about this one. This one's a bit weird. All right, now they've got they're throwing a bunch of stuff, balloons, water balloons on a on a baking sheet. Yeah, and he's tying a bunch of water balloons, putting them in a baking sheet, putting frosting on them. But you, you see this, you want to know why he's doing that. You're you immediately drawn in because you're just like, why is he covering water balloons with icing? And now he's putting some sprinkles on the top and he's making water balloon cupcakes. I have no idea why you would do that. Uh, Babe, the cupcakes are done. <laughs> <laughs> I can see where this is going. Oh, that's yeah. cute. Tell me how they taste. I almost burnt them. She's picking one up and she's biting into it. And now she's got water balloon. She got soaked. Yeah, okay, that's very clever. Anyway. So one of the things you'll notice on there is it's a lot of people trying to show off, you know, some kind of creativity. And one of the reasons it gets really popular with people is because it gives you instant gratification because the platform is enormous. You're uploading your video to the entire world. This is not just a video that goes to your, your close set of friends. You are sharing with the entire audience of potentially millions of users and viewers. It's really exciting and gratifying to someone who thinks of themselves as creative artists that they can get that kind of feedback. In my experience, the app is a lot of fun, and it can be addictive. When the journal reviewed internal company documents, they said that as of March, the average user opened the app more than eight times a day. One of the things that makes it so addictive is that there's a low barrier to entry. You don't have to follow anybody. You just open the app and it starts playing. So for most of its users, TikTok is just a fun way to spend an hour or four. But like any popular app, it has also come with concerns. Initially, they revolved around the content on the app. And these are problems that all social media deal with. There were reports of videos that promoted suicide. There were a lot of videos of minors and some, you know, dancing. And there were concerns that pedophiles could target people via Mm -hmm. these apps. And there was, in fact, a BBC investigation from the earlier part of the year that found that there were hundreds of sexually explicit comments scattered across TikTok. TikTok, you know, responded by ramping up content moderation just like anybody else and saying that, you know, we have no place for this on our platform, et cetera. But then as the months went on, a second set of concerns emerged. These had much more to do with the ownership of the company and the fact that this was a Chinese company. A Chinese company that was collecting data on millions of American users and that people in Washington feared would share that data with the Chinese government. That's after the break. Meta has spent upwards of $50 billion developing the metaverse. But will it pay off for the company, its investors, and for CEO Mark Zuckerberg? Over time, I hope that we are seen as a metaverse company. And I want to anchor our work and our identity on what we are building towards. Meta's trillion-dollar business and how we use the internet could hang in the balance. Go inside the company in a new three-part series, From Facebook to Meta, Zuckerberg's Big Bet, in the Tech News Briefing feed from The Wall Street Journal. Welcome back. The fact that TikTok was from China started to raise concerns earlier this year. We've never really had a company of this size that's been this successful that is Chinese-owned in the United States. In this case, it's the first time that people have looked and said, okay, here's a Chinese company that is starting to enter, sort of embed itself in the popular consciousness. And there were a couple of very specific things that people were worried about. And one is privacy, privacy of the data. 
there's questions about privacy with any social media, but when you talk about that in the United States, you talk about Facebook, you talk about Twitter, these are American companies that can be held accountable uh, in Washington and elsewhere, and we can decide as a society how we want them to govern our private data. But when you're dealing with a Chinese company, we have to, to some degree, abdicate that uh, ability to determine how our data is used. Like, I would remind you of a case that came up some months ago with the dating app Grinder. Mm-hmm. You remember this was a gay dating app that was bought by a Chinese company, and there was a fear in Washington that um, that company could share the data found on this app with the Chinese government. They could find out that you are a contractor to the U.S. government, and then they could use something about your dating, you know, or, or your life just to blackmail the user in some some way. And so the United States government decided to make this company, the Chinese company, divest itself of, of the Grindr app. So that's one issue. I think the second issue is one of censorship. Certainly there is a precedent in China for big Chinese companies to, to censor their users' activity. I mean, that's just established in, mm-hmm. in China. It's, it's the way the social media works there. And that is not the way that America chooses to run its uh, social media well, has ByteDance ever had any of its apps censored in China? There was one app in particular. It was a humor app, and it would just be, you know, a lot of just crazy, funny stuff. Entertaining jokes and limericks and people dancing around and saying funny things, and it became very addictive. And the Chinese government looked askance at this. They thought this was sort of contrary to public morals, that people were wasting their time on senseless stuff. And it's very hard to know in China where the line is. You know, obviously, if there's political content or criticism of the government, that can be crossing a red line. But it turned out there were also lines when the, the content was deemed to be too sensational or too frivolous. So the Chinese government shut down one of the apps. And has TikTok ever censored users? Well, the problem with understanding the the issue here is that we don't really know a lot about what they do uh, in terms of censorship or, or even whether they do censor actively. It's hard to tell in part because the platform itself isn't really, it's not designed to be like Twitter or something where you would expect to find tons of political speech. You expect to find fun stuff. And I think what they would say is that, you know, you don't find a lot of political debate on our platform because people don't go there for it. Right, but what they're watching is what the algorithm is feeding them, right? And what do we know about how the algorithm works? So basically, it just feeds off of what you choose and gives you more of it. So for example, I like dogs. And so if I open up TikTok and you can search for things that you're interested in and you can look for dogs and give you a video. I was playing around with it this morning and there was a video of a, of a corgi that had a treat on its nose and it flipped the treat up in the air and caught it with its mouth ah, and ate it. And impressive. Like, oh, impressive. <laughs> Amazing, right? So it then knows that that's something that I that I watched, uh-huh. right? I mean, so fed more dog videos, basically. Exactly. And because of the size of this platform with millions and millions of videos on them, it's a bottomless well. I will never be able to run out of dog videos to see on this thing. And so if I keep swiping on dog videos, it starts feeding me more and more of those things. If I decide to change, if I decide I want to watch something that's like sports or something, the algorithms will then start feeding me those kinds of things. But isn't there also a lot we don't know about how TikTok's algorithm works? That's right. Now, there have been reports in The Guardian and elsewhere that there have been efforts to censor speech, uh, to take out things or bounce them down in the search results on Tiananmen Square or, Mm -hmm. you know, Tibet or something. Or the Hong Kong protests. The Hong Kong protests, Mm -hmm. you know, for example. ByteDance and TikTok say that there was some censorship 
there was some content moderation at one point earlier in the the life of this product some months ago that would put some of those things lower down in the algorithms. But as they become more of a global company and recognize the importance of free speech, they've stopped doing that. So their position is that they do not censor. But last week, TikTok's position on censorship was back in the headlines. Last Monday, one TikTok user, a Muslim teenager in New Jersey, said her account was suspended after she posted a video talking about reports of mass internment of Uyghur Muslims in China. The video had over a million views. TikTok said it blocked her from accessing her account, not because of the comments about China, but because of a different video she had posted on a different account. It was a satirical video she shared that had a photo of Osama bin Laden. TikTok said that earlier video violated a company policy on terrorism content, and the company banned that account and the device associated with it, which effectively locked her out of both the accounts. On Wednesday, TikTok apologized for what it called an error, restored access to her account, and said it would conduct a broader review of its content moderation policies. But after her account was restored and TikTok gave its explanation, the user wasn't convinced. She tweeted, quote, Do I believe they took it away because of an unrelated satirical video that was deleted on a previously deleted account of mine right after I finished posting a three-part video about the Uyghurs? No. And it's these concerns about censorship and about data privacy that have led U.S. regulators to start an investigation into TikTok. A U.S. government group called the Committee on Foreign Investment in the United States recently started a national security review into TikTok and into ByteDance's acquisition of Musical.ly. There's a fear, whether it's real or just paranoia, that somehow your data, your child's data, could be shared in some way with the Chinese government that could violate their, their rights at some point in the future or it could be used to blackmail them, who knows. Now, I guess one argument against this, of course, is that a lot of this activity on TikTok is in the public domain. Like, if people want to put themselves out there... It's out there. And how can you blackmail someone based on, you know, dance routines that you are willingly choosing to put out into the public domain? Mm -hmm. How has TikTok reacted to this investigation? Well, they, they don't like this, obviously, and they have taken great pains to try to reassure Washington and the broader public that TikTok operates in the United States and it follows American laws. But there also is some, you know, uncertainty, I think, in their circles about how this is going to play out for them. We just reported that they're looking at making some changes internally, like ways to try to distance TikTok from China. You know, maybe they should locate more of the company's operations outside of China. They talked about putting more of their operations in Southeast Asia, for example. They've taken some steps to try to get some of the content on the app that is clearly Chinese to sort of put it more in the background so it feels more like an American product. The Wall Street Journal has reported that ByteDance is thinking about moving its headquarters to Singapore, though the company disputes this. And ByteDance also says that it doesn't determine how much Chinese content is on the app because users, not TikTok, upload the videos. But if this committee of U.S. regulators determines that TikTok is a national security risk, then it could potentially force ByteDance to sell all or part of TikTok's U.S. operations. You know, we've heard different reports about how serious they are in Washington. We've heard everything from the possibility that they will ask them to take some very standard steps to protect privacy to to actually going all the way. And 
This administration is very hard to predict. You know, they have been very tough on China, and they've often wanted to signal that. Now, if they were to go to that extreme, I think it would be very damaging to ByteDance. The U.S. market is still a very small market for them, but Hmm. it is the market that could be very lucrative for them in the long run. And this is a company that is preparing for an IPO. They haven't given a date, but they want to have a massive IPO. Mm -hmm. And it's very difficult to justify a $75 billion valuation if the United States is effectively closed off to them. So for TikTok and for ByteDance, there is a lot riding on this decision that U.S. regulators make. But this fight over whether or not to allow a Chinese tech company to take root in the U.S. is part of a broader issue in technology, one that Facebook founder Mark Zuckerberg spoke about during a speech in October. You know, China is building its own internet focused on, on very different values. And it's now exporting their vision of the internet to other countries. Now, until recently, the internet in almost every country outside of China has been defined by American platforms with strong free expression values. But there's no guarantee that these values will win out. Obviously, in a world where U.S. tech wins out, Zuckerberg and other American companies have a lot to gain. But it's not just a battle over dollars and downloads. Patrick says there's a broader question underlying all of this. How comfortable are we with Chinese companies playing a big, big role in our daily lives? Is that totally fine because companies are companies and and it's all great? Or should we be suspicious of them because they're Chinese and China is considered a strategic rival? And you have to ask yourself, how paranoid should we be about China? Is it bordering, you know, xenophobia? You know, is it mm-hmm. is it rational? And those are questions I don't have answers to, but they're going to become, you know, questions I think we're asking more and more. I think the other question here has more to do with what kind of internet, what kind of social media as a society we want. We can get a bit self-righteous about it here in the United States and say, well, you know, in the United States, it's all about free speech, uh, et cetera. And, and that free speech has come at a cost. It has caused a lot of problems in the United States. But there is a bedrock belief that social media and the Internet should be a free and open commons where people should be able to post what they want, say what they want, argue what they want, criticize who they want, share what they want, et cetera. That is not the model in China. Mm-hmm. The model in China is something of a, a walled garden, heavy state involvement, tight surveillance, heavy restrictions on what you can and cannot say. Censorship is a part of daily life. TikTok is the first company that we have ever seen that straddles those two worlds. And I think the, the fascinating thing with TikTok that we have to watch is, can an internet exist that straddles those two worlds? Or are we going to eventually break apart into two different internets around the world that have different sets of rules? The United States will decide we actually don't want TikTok here because we don't believe that it follows the same values. And we're going to do it our way. You do it your way. I don't know if that's where we're going or not, but that is a fascinating dilemma for everyone who's interested in technology. That's all for today, Monday, December 2nd. The Journal is a co-production of Gimlet and The Wall Street Journal. Additional reporting for this episode came from Georgia Wells, Yoko Kubota, Yang Jia, and Kate O'Keefe. 
thanks to TikTokers Dieter the Dubs, Spicy Nugs 22, and Mr. President's TikTok. Ryan's tweeting the links to the videos if you want to watch them. And while you're there, tweet us your favorite TikTok videos at Kate underscore Linebaugh or at Ryan underscore Knutson. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow afternoon.